Welcome to another episode of Learn with Bestern, where we discuss the latest trends in leadership development, self-development, as well as well-being. There's so much information out there. We want to make sure we bring in the latest insights and research based on neuroscience and behavior change to give you the tools that you need to make a change in your personal and professional lives. Join us on a journey to learn more. We hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with others that might find it helpful. Recording this computer. Joe, I'm so happy to have you. First, because I really wanted to learn more about a topic that is kind of something that passionates me. So behavior formation, understanding what makes that people doesn't depend on motivation, but there is something else that makes that people makes things happen. And the topic of today is about mindset beats motivation. Now, the reason why we are together is because I found your profile super interesting. There is one, the fact that you are, and is, this is going to be the, like the first time that I'm going to use this word polymath, a person of wide knowledge of learning. So that's amazing. And the reason is that you have been touching anything like science, finance, self-development. I discovered that you are an advisor for philanthropy, which I find it quite good purpose-driven uh, life. You are the author of Everyday Excellence, book that has been number one in professional development. This is amazing. That's, and but it, it's not about what you did, but it's more about extracting the essence of who you are that makes you unique. So the type of person to have a dream and learn from, you know, to go into a bar and, and just have a, a, conversa a, a conversation. And um, it seems that your life not all came that easy until you made it easier. So you were, and this is something that we have in common, you were severely asthmatic and became a martial artist and an ultra distance runner. Wow. You had a speech impediment, but built a career around communicating. So that's something like quite crazy the way you convert the current situation, what you get in life into something amazing. Uh, and you are capable of overcoming limitation. And this is what I find super unique about you. And also that's one of the reasons why I was wanting so much to have you in Learn With Besson so that we can understand what's your drive for that curiosity first, because you are touching about anything Uh, and what is the, your specific need to take on new challenges? Joe, to you. Thank you, Ivan. So the reason why I use the term polymath as opposed to renaissance man is because I can't draw a straight line with a ruler. I have no artistic ability whatsoever. You know, my brothers and sisters inherited that from my mom, not me. So I understand my limitations but it doesn't mean that I accept my limitations. So sitting in my office right now, I've actually got a small painting that I did uh, when with my Cub Scouts when we were doing a painting program. And it's just a little bonfire with some smoke, night sky and everything. But I did that. And I don't care that it looks more like Picasso in his Cubist uh, period than a real artist painting, 
I still did that. And so I am incredibly proud of that. And in a lot of ways, my life is a whole series of, oh, that's difficult. I'm not going to, I'm going to go do that. Okay. So, Joe, in fact, it looks like the, the concept of mindset, which is, by the way, something that is quite uh, fuzzy for most of us to understand what it means, mindset. And the reason is because we tend to believe that people as an acquired mind mindset that you, you are born with that. Um, and we only see the, the results. So we see someone who is impressive at, at doing something and we think that this person had it. It's the X factor that you had for forever. It's like genetics. So Ivan, can you walk? Yeah, I can. Okay. And essentially every person that you know, every grown up that you know, unless they've got a physical injury or debilitation, they can walk, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, something natural. Yeah, that's part of okay. Genetics, it, it's something say. natural. Hmm? When we were babies, could we walk? No, we had to learn. <laughs> we had to and, make mistakes. You know, as a baby, when you start to stand up and you know, like pull yourself along the couch or toddle along, and you fall down on your bottom, you say, oh, "That's it. I'm done. I'm not going to try this. I'm not going to do this." Of course not. Yeah, we no. have to try again. <laughs> And we do it again and again, and all of a sudden they're running all over the place and getting in trouble. <laughs> and that is because as young children, we are sponges, we are exploring our universe, we are pushing our limits, we are in complete and total growth mindset mode, <laughs> where the world is there to be experienced, everything is to be checked out, there is essentially no fear, maybe falling and Uh, loud noises that's about the only thing that little little kids are scared of and we grow but unfortunately over time that mindset is eliminated us if you look at adults dr carol dweck said that roughly 40 of grown-ups big people as i say as mm -hmm. opposed to the little people um actually still maintain this open growth oriented mindset and if your listeners could take one thing away from this today is try to be more childlike like Albert Einstein discussed. Have that wonder, have that enthusiasm, have that passion that we had as little kids. Little kids go full out and then completely crash mm. and recharge. And then they do it again and they learn constantly. They grow, they explore, they figure things out. They can pick up languages. They have insights that amaze grownups. So look at them and say, I want to be like that. So instead of having somebody for your idol as a sports figure or a world leader or, you know, somebody who has done something incredible in a particular space, look at a little kid, try and emulate them and you will re-spark your growth mindset. Joe, but, but the thing is that in the definition itself of mindset, it, it's about having an established set of attitudes, an up, a perspective or an outlook for the future, a type of philosophy, a, a frame mm -hmm. of mind, an attitude. In the meanwhile, when we become adults, we are reprogrammed. So we have a set of beliefs that have been done by others. Our parents mm -hmm. telling us, oh, you're not that awesome in math. Our parents say, you're a girl, so you shouldn't be do doing tech. Uh, 
and we tend to 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 have this set of rules really anchored in our minds and it's so mm-hmm. difficult to get rid of it so what is the the trick that we can do in order to take the programming that has been done for years and years and remove it and replace it with new programming so i love how you use programming because the brain is essentially hardware and software okay mm-hmm. The software is the actually the wet works, which is the physical component. Um, but we actually have the capability to upgrade our brains. And this is something that people don't realize. So exercise, if you exercise for 15 to 20 minutes and then look at an EEG and look at somebody's brain scan, the entire thing's lit up. Yep. yep. So having regular physical activity is one of the best ways to prevent dementia and Alzheimer's for people who are more advanced in years. So if it works really well in those later stages, you know how well it works earlier. I mean, I got up and I worked out this morning and after you work out, you are literally more intelligent and more productive for anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour. Uh So that's one of the things that I would tell your listeners, get a workout in every single day. It doesn't have to be, an intense 45 minutes in uh, doing martial arts like I did, it could be a gentle walk. It could be calisthenics. It could be kettlebells. It could be dancing. It could be swimming. Whatever you enjoy, do it. Mm. So that's one thing because that helps out a lot. Another thing is diet dramatically influences what goes on in your brain. You know, sugar is essentially like cocaine. Mm. And so it actually has a lot of negative effects on your brain long range. And I like my donuts. I love my Oreo cookies when I'm doing races. So just control it. You know, have some discipline around that the same way that you would with anything else in your life that you really enjoy, but you know is not the best thing for you, like watching TV or uh, anything else, basically. So there's that. And we can also program the brain in a lot of ways. Uh, there's something called the reticular activation system. If you listen to Tony Robbins, he talks about it all the time. But this is essentially the filter that we have simply because we are constantly bombarded with stimulus. I mean, you can hear the bus uh, driving down the street if you listen real closely, but your mind eliminates that because it's not important. Mm-hmm. And the human mind is meant to focus on movement, changes, things like that. So that in the old days, we had to tell, hey, is that a cyber- saber-toothed tiger coming to eat me? So we had to pay attention to things like that, but we create these own filters in our head. And sometimes they're inherited from our parents and our our friends and our schooling and all that, but we then reinforce them instead of turning around and saying, okay, what is my bias here? What is my tendency? What can I do to work on it? And using little things. Like, for example, before we jumped on the podcast today, I listened to my song. And for 25 plus years, this has basically been my walk-up music, my programming, my brain, my flip the switch song. It's Princes of the Universe by Queen, you know, so the theme to yeah. Highlander, yeah. <laughs> uh, because, you know, I'm Irish and so I wear a kilt and, you know, fighting and all that. It's always fun. Uh, but it is a song that literally I can hear the opening strains of, and I'm in go mode. I'm Pavlovian programmed myself to succeed in that. So people can do this. Find that song that really helps you out and start programming yourself. Use it when you're going to the gym. 
use it before you're doing something important. And you'll start connecting these processes together and you'll be able to use it to modify yourself. Also, music overall is very similar to exercise in the way that lights up the entire brain. Again, going back to the neuroscience of it. If you look at an EEG of somebody listening to music, everything is lit up in there. Everything, both hemispheres, everything from the spinal cord all the way forward, limbic system, neocortex, all of it. So use music to help enhance things. And music is older than language, back when we were banging rocks together. And so it is also the closest thing that we can get to divinity is music. It's the purest thing coming from heaven. And so we can use this to help change or set our moods, to incite us, to also help um, reinforce learning in a lot of ways, as does physical activity. So using these things and just saying, I can be better than I am now. Okay. So just say having that attitude of, you know what, I don't care how good or bad life is. I can always improve in some capacity. I can be slightly stronger. I can be slightly nicer to other people. I can uh, make more wealth, whether it's to take care of my family or to take care of other members in society. We can always do a little bit better than what we're doing overall in some way. And so just look for, okay, you know, I'm not great at this. I'm not great at cooking this type of meal. I'm going to practice it. You know, my handwriting is not the best. I'll work on that. Hey, yo, uh, golf is a challenge and, you know, I actually enjoy it. So I'm going to go to the driving range and practice. Hey, I'm not being the best parent to my kids. So I'm going to spend a little bit more time talking with them and building the relationship or I'm going to study a little bit more so that I have a better understanding of the world around me and myself. These little things. And everybody thinks that it's this tremendous journey and I have to invest 15 hours a day in my self-development and all that. The founder of Stoicism, Zeno of Citium, said, well-being is no small thing, but it's made up of little steps. Mm. Take the little steps. Make the slightly better small decision. Do the little things. You know, instead of sitting there watching TV, sitting on your butt, get up and you know do a couple air squats while you're watching the TV. You know, do some push-ups. You know, run in place for a moment or uh, turn the TV off and actually talk to the person that you care about because that's a better use of that 15 minutes than watching whatever's, you know, currently on. I don't even watch TV, so sorry. <laughs> Joe, I, I, while you were talking, I, I was just thinking, I, and the fact is that if we knew the kind of things that you're mentioning about how our brain functions, and then we learn, we were capable of learning that early on when we are in school, because these are not like crazy concepts, uh, uh, no. mathematical concepts. These are realities that we can associate. Even a child of 11 years old can associate and understand. So if we were capable of already helping young kids to understand that, we would be really better humans. Believe me, I, I find myself quite well educated. I, I have a degree in engineering. So I, I, and believe me, until five years ago, the association between my body function and my mental health, it was completely two different things I, that I didn't know about it. 
And by the way, it's only when I got more interested about the topic that I could understand that there is a logical explanation to understand it, that it's not just something that from the air is not, not a new age concept. It is something that can be backed up by science, the, the relationship between our body, uh, our guts, uh, how the brain functions, the necessity for movement, the necessity to bring connection to exercise connections in different parts of the brain so that we become more creative that we we, we become more focused to i mean it's concept that for me is news right so for a lot of and people part of this reason behind this is in education a lot of ways they silo things okay mm-hmm. your mathematics is over here your history is over here phys ed's over here and they don't talk about the interrelation you got to remember we are souls being carried by bodies Okay, so if your body is messed up, it's going to interfere with your mind and your spirit in a lot of ways. Ask anybody who's had chronic pain for years, whether it's from a back injury or a knee injury or something else, you know, it impacts their attitude over time. All right. So the same thing is if you're carrying an extra 50 pounds around, that's going to impact your body, your mind in the same sort of way. So Sir Richard Branson says that the most effective productivity tool he's ever seen is exercise. Hmm. And there's a lot of reasons behind this besides the fact that you can build additional stamina. You know, as you get the blood pumping, you're actually clearing the little bits of crap and debris out of your brain. Hmm. Okay? It's just, it's you know, if you've got a river that's flowing fast, you don't have stuff building up in it. The body's the same way. And the brain is an energy hog. The brain, you, even though it's only about 5% of our body weight, uses over 20% of our energy. Indeed. And that's one of the reasons why over time we become lazy because we develop these rules of thumbs and these patterns or habits so that we can save energy because we think we need that energy and mental focus for work or for these other things. And it's more like going back to that river. The more that flows, the clearer it is. So little kids, as I said, they expend all their energy, they crash, they recharge, and then they go again, and then they do it again. Why aren't we doing that as big people? Why do we not empty our tank every single day? Mm. You got 86,400 seconds per day, just like the Queen of England, just like Elon Musk, just like any one of your listeners. Use them all up. <laughs> Joe, we, in today's world, so what has happened during the last two years, because we have been a little bit changing our routines, our patterns of living, working from home, uh, being a little bit scared about losing our jobs, maybe having... The, the, the living a little bit of fear, a constant fear, and we have started reconsidering also a little bit of, of, of what, what is the perspective of what I want to do as a human, uh, what is my purpose, and there has been even this, this trend of people leaving jobs because they want to consider other alternatives, so where the fulfillment is not attained anymore by the money that you receive, uh, but it, there should be something else, so people are changing, and that has mm-hmm. been the impact of the last two years. So, and I wanted to, to, to understand your perspective about 
the kind of the different mindsets that we need to have in order to be prepared for 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 our future in in our life and i mean i oversimplify the thing but let's say that in, in my views there is three areas and and maybe you will tell me if there is more than that three areas that we need to be prepared for uh, the, the first one is is about our security what happens if 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 the worst happen uh, what can i do how can i prepare my mindset if, if okay let's talk know. about that yeah, because we could spend have, yeah, literally yeah. 45 minutes on that ivan okay so uh, <laughs> you know and if I, if i'm going too far afield or you you know where you want to move on to something else just give me a sign because i can go off on this one for a long time so there's an old saying um sweat more in practice bleed less in battle and unfortunately we had a really good 15 20 years where everybody was starting to think that life was easy that unicorns were going to bring them bags of money and cupcakes every single day and life was going to be all hunky-dory and things are going to be great and that became people's expectation. We see this a lot in the younger generation, the Zoomers, because they've you know, had everything scheduled for them and everything handed to them. The snowplow parents cleared the way instead of them having to solve their own problems like those of us in Gen X did. You know, when I was a kid, my mom would kick me outside and say, don't die, see you at lunch. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you know, so like my kids now know the phrase, have fun, don't die. which is how we tell each other that we love them, okay? So people, we have moved into a world of convenience. 20 years ago, Google did not exist. So if you wanted to learn something, you had to go look it up. 15, you know, 20 years ago, Minute Rice did not exist. uh, I remember as a kid when we got our first microwave so we could actually do stuff like that. Um, the car doors weighed more than I did as a kid and you had to roll them down. Remember you know, taking pictures with a regular camera and you had to yeah. send the film off and you had to learn to wait for a week or then we had these Polaroids and you could get in like three minutes, okay? Yeah. As opposed to where we are now. Click and you can take 5,000 pictures in two minutes, literally. Hmm. So what's happened is things have become so easy that we become used to it. If you live a life of comfort, you become soft in a lot of ways. So there's something called desired difficulties. The occasional hardship when you don't have to do it, choosing to suffer because it makes you tougher. And as the Stoics said, after you choose to suffer, if you actually go through something bad, you're like, this all there is, okay? There's a reason why most major religions on the planet have fasting built in where we choose to go through hardship because it makes us appreciate what we get on the other side more and it makes us reflect and be stronger it builds our will okay and so for how do we prepare for when stuff happens is we need to put ourselves in the situation that is uncomfortable by choice on a regular basis. So as an example, uh, last summer when I was preparing for an ultra marathon, okay, I would go out, I'd run five to eight miles in the morning, I'd go out and run in the evening, 
Um, on the weekends, I'd go do 25, 30 miles uh, spread throughout the day. Uh, so I was doing this. And one day, did my morning run, came home in the evening, and it was you know, get, starting to get dark. I'm like, I'm supposed to do another five miles. I'll sit on the couch. I don't need to do it. No, I have to do it because if I don't do it, I'm not going to be ready for this event down the road. All right, I'll just go down and run on the treadmill because it looks like it's going to rain. And I basically looked at myself mentally and said, self, Joe, no, you're going to go outside and run. And it's probably going to rain while you're running. And it's going to suck. And you're going to get through it because you're going to be better. And so I went, put on my running shoes, put on the headlamp, went outside. Within three minutes, it started to rain, coming on down, wind whipping. I'm like, this sucks. And my squishy feet, which I hate. I'm going and the wind's blowing and everything. I do my five miles. I come on in, I jump in the shower, nice warm shower afterwards. I'm like, "Ah, okay, I'm better now. So I literally, because I went and chose to do the difficult thing, it gave me stronger reserves for when I was doing the ultra marathon. If you go and uh, push a muscle, you know, when you lift weights, you're literally tearing down the muscle a little bit, and then you rest and you become stronger. So if you don't push your limit, you're not going to get stronger there. If you don't run longer distances, you're not going to build your endurance. If you're not trying to do harder math problems, you're not going to build your mathematical skill. If you're not attempting more difficult musical pieces, you're not going to be able to grow as a performance artist. So why don't we, you know, one, look at this and model this in other areas and consistently choose to do the difficult things so that we can build this resilience and this just overall mindset like you were talking about of doing the difficult things because we know it's going to suck in the moment but long range it's going to make us better and so i've got a theory and it's actually derived from the story of hercules uh which ryan holiday talks about in the start of courage is calling great book great book And basically, in any situation, we are given two sets of choices. We can do what feels good in the moment. That could be, you know, having the donut. I love donuts. So, you know, or, (laughs) or, you know, we could smoke the cigarette. We could go on the phone and, you know, get the dopamine hit. We could avoid studying for the test and play video games. We could avoid having the difficult discussion with our significant other. And just whatever, we'll deal with that later, okay? And what happens is by taking the path that is currently easy and has less resistance, things become more difficult, okay? If you keep eating the cheeseburgers and donuts, guess what? You're going to develop diabetes. Your pants aren't going to fit and you're going to put on 30 pounds, okay? We see this and, you know, there's, it's called the COVID-19 because people put on 19 pounds. Sort of like the freshman 15, but worse. Uh, so... You know, if you don't have the discussion with your significant other, eventually you get divorced because everything comes apart because you avoided having the hard choice. Now you can do the thing that is more difficult up front, thinking like a scientist. It's got higher activation energy from a chemistry point of view. It takes more work to get off the couch and go run around the block than it does to sit there eating Cheetos. Mm -hmm. It takes more energy to sit there and study than it does to have fun. It takes more willpower to eat the healthy food than to eat the the good tasting stuff. However, if you choose to do the difficult things, you are making a better path for the future. 
it's not necessarily that life gets easier. It's you become stronger. Okay. So if you need to pick up a hundred pound weight and you're a 120 pound weakling, you're not going to be able to do that. But if you're this, you know, world's strongest man type competitor, you picked it up with one hand because you're used to doing difficult things, advanced math problems. You know, if you're a, a 10 year old kid, you're probably not going to be able to do it. But if you've been in, you know, if you're a physicist and you do these things all the time, it becomes easy. So the repetition, the conscious choice to push yourself, knowing that it might not be great right now, but over time, I'm going to become better. I'll be able to overcome these things. And that's how when things get bad, because it inevitably does, that's what life is, then you've got the reserves and strength to be able to deal with it. Joe, I, I wanted to reframe a little bit the concept uh, of stoicism. The, the, the reason is that a lot of people believe that pushing the limits, uh, pushing a little bit, having a, a challenging goal a little bit better than the, the last time, it means doing a huge effort. And you and me, we know that any effort is going to impact our motivation And is going, nope. and we are we are going to drop what we what we start. It is, I mean, you you mentioned the principle of conservation of energy for our brain. So our brain is lazy. So anything that is Absolutely. has a lot of uh, uses a lot of his energy because he's using a lot of the energy of the, of the body, as you mentioned. Um, he's not going to like it. He's going to 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 um, interpret it as a big change that he doesn't like and the brain likes routine simple things so in the so we that's why we make micro decisions and exactly there have been multiple nobel prizes in economics awarded for behavioral economics yes. nudge theory and what you do is you set the environment up to make the slightly better decisions so for example if you want to lose weight guess what don't buy junk food If there's no junk food in the house, you can't eat it. And so your default choices are slightly better. Mm. And so uh, if you look, and I think I've got one small thing of cookies in the cabinet for my kids. and Everything else is relatively healthy. So the default is you eat healthy. And that doesn't seem like a big deal. But if the, it means a difference of 500 calories a week, which is not a lot, 500 calories a week over two months is a pound hmm. over a year. That's six pounds of, you know, just you know, belly fat essentially by not having those in the house. So it's the little choices. It's making sure that your running shoes and your uh, workout gear is set out the night before. And in fact, put it by your bed. So you trip over it hmm. because you're like, Oh, might as well put that on, go for workout. As opposed to, oh, I got to go and take it out of the drawer and do all these other things. You know, my coffee pot, I have a cup ready for the morning and it's prepped. So literally I get on up, I grab my cup and I turn on the coffee pot so that it's ready three to, or five minutes later with a fresh pot instead of having to take the two or three minutes to do it in the morning. So if you set it up so that the default is the better choices, By changing your environment, this is one of the things that becomes much more successful. So people who struggle with addiction, like uh, with alcohol, 
if they join Alcoholics Anonymous, what do you do? You remove all the alcohol from their house. If it's not there, it's more difficult to make a bad choice. So do these things. Remove the app from your phone that you waste time on. Mm. So okay. what we're saying is that as motivation is a big factor why we drop things like preparing for the future, like doing something that we want to, uh, want to do, we have to find an alternative that does not depend on motivation, which is making it easier, whatever you want to achieve yep. in incremental. So incremental some steps. people say it's discipline as opposed to motivation because motivation is like the shava espresso. It's yes. going to get you going in the morning. Right, it's the cup of coffee, but can you drink coffee nonstop all day long? Well, I do, but um, you know, up until about three o'clock. But can, is that going to keep you going continuously? What happens is you build up a tolerance, you need more and more, and it ends up not working for you. Versus having discipline and processes. Discipline says, you know what, I don't want to do this. But I'm going to do it because I want the long-term result. You know, mm. I want to be able to run this race. I want to be able to, you know, fit into the, this dress or this suit. I want to give up smoking so that I can see my grandchildren, you know, graduate or walk my daughter down the aisle or what have you. So that's where discipline comes in. But then layering on process and environment on top of that further reinforce it. That's removing the junk food. That's removing the alcohol. That's having healthy snacks there. So you just grab them as the default. Yeah. That is making it so that instead of making the less bad choice, you completely eliminate the bad choice if possible. Hmm. And that's how you end up building an environment that day by day improves you because you have no choice but to make the better decision. We make between around 10,000 micro decisions every single day. Yeah. And I'm a big comic book fan. So in one of the comic book movies, Colossus tells Deadpool four or five choices. Four or five choices is in a lifetime is what determines if you're going to be a hero or a villain. If you look at it on a daily basis for those of us without superpowers, uh, unfortunately, I have no superpowers. Uh, it's four or five micro decisions each day that determine is that day a positive or a negative. So it's the little things like, okay, I got up and took care of what I needed to do. Every day, I have my list of the four or five most important things I need to do for work. I write them down. And if I can get through all of them, it's a good day. Like we were talking about before we started recording. You know, you've knocked off everything on your list that you need to. So it's a good day and you should reward yourself and enjoy the rest of the day and be fully present with your daughter. So it is this four or five little better decisions on a regular basis that will over a week, month, year determine is your arrow pointing down or is it pointing up? And is every day perfect? No, absolutely not. I mean, last here's a great example last week was national donut day i love donuts so i had 10 boston cream donuts that day that was my cheat day on my uh normal good healthy eating for the month okay so literally i had 10 boston cream donuts for the day as essentially all that i ate i don't want to see another donut for another month now by the way and if you look combination with the other things that I do with my diet and exercise and all that over the past week, I am still down one pound. 
Great. <laughs> okay. So having these occasional splurges, these occasional bad decisions, if it's not fatal, it's fixable. Mm. Always remember that. Yeah. So if I had to, we have talked about the concept of consistency in order to, and I want to relate it to the conversation we had earlier about reprogramming our, our brain. If there is, the, the fact that we have a lot of beliefs in our brain comes from re constant repetition from society, from our parents, from whoever. And if we need to reprogram our brain, there needs to be like a consistent message that is sent every single day. Like if yes. I need to do something to do this micro action in a constant basis so that it becomes something like a habit, something, a reflex, a reflex. That's it, be, it becomes so ultimately your identity. Yes. So, you know, people who say I'm a runner, you don't have to be, you know, running marathons in two minutes, 15 or two hours, 15 minutes to be a runner. If you run every single day, even if it's slow, you're still a runner. Mm. Yes. Okay? If you're a writer, you write on a regular basis. It might not be published. It might not be spectacular, but you know what? If you write every single day over six months, you're going to get a lot better because mm. it's that consistent habit. It is the compound interest on your investment in yourself in whatever capacity. If you cut your calorie intake by 50 calories per day over what you're, you need, you know, that's only 50 calories at the end of the week. That's 350 calories, 10 weeks. That's one pound. That's five pounds for the year. 50 calories is negligible. But it's that little thing and you start building that habit. It, you know, the instant that you get married, you say that I'm a husband or I'm a wife and that becomes your identity and you step up to that responsibility. The instant that you have a kid, you're a parent and you, those are graphic external changes that, you know, the moment that you put on that ring or that kid, you know, pops on out, your life is suddenly different and your identity is different. We can change our own identities in terms of what we tell ourselves and what we tell others and demand others do with us. So, you know, if you start, if you're saying I'm a smoker, I've always been a smoker, guess what? You're going to continue to be a smoker. Hmm. If you say I used to be a smoker, but I'm not now, that's going to change the way that you identify and you'll be able to completely eliminate that from your life. Same thing. I used to be a drinker. I'm sober now. Or I used to be fat, now I'm not, or I'm getting not. And you slowly change the identity from that of a fat person to a healthy person. You know, um, I'm successful, you know, I'm rich. You know, telling yourself and making the little choices around that changes your attitude. Indeed. So two other topics that, that are quite relevant for today in terms of the mindset that we need to prepare is the one that's saying, how do I become the best version of myself? I want to achieve any goals. I want to become, I, I don't know, to learn new skills. I want to learn about data science. I want to achieve to, to, to get a job that I, I really love. And then there is another one that comes together with this time of reflection that we have got in the two years. It's about the research of meaning. Why am I doing? What is my purpose in, in life? And And this is one of the exercises that is the most difficult for any of us, including me. I'm constantly reinventing myself and trying to imagine 
going into the journey about getting to know what I really enjoy and like not for now, not like a transactional pleasure, but really for the future. So it's a research of meaning. What would it be your, your tips to, to say, this is how you need to build the mindset for these two areas, self-actualization and meaning, research of meaning? So meaning is going to take a long time to discover. This is not easy. If we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, getting up to the top levels of self-actualization, yeah. you know, not many people get there. Not many people become a level five leader, as Jim Collins talks about, in good to great. So, you know, not many people are enlightened. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of time. But what you need to do, I believe, is that you need to look at your core beliefs and make sure that you're actually living them. Hmm. So if you believe in serving others like I do, because my mom and dad, you know, basically pushed that on us or they didn't push on us, they modeled it. Mm, and so yeah. it was a great example for us. And what they did professionally was in line with that a lot of ways too. So you need to work towards it. You need to explore, you need to study, you know, so read whatever books on philosophy and religion are appropriate and look beyond what you would normally read. Look just beyond that to expand your horizons to see how that interacts with and reinforces your core belief system and challenge it. You know, say, okay, if my core belief system is that I'm supposed to help the poor, what am I actually doing? Mm. How am I doing this? You know, am I living out my values? Mm. And do the self-reflection question and if you're actually like really serious have someone who you know really well have this conversation with ask him am i living out the values that i say that because um there's an old irish saying a good friend is the best mirror that there is hmm. because a an associate or you know an acquaintance will tell you what you want to hear a friend will tell you what you need to hear. Exactly. And you know, yeah. they'll be brutally honest and still love you. Mm. That's the difference between you know, a fake friend or a real friend is if they're willing to tell you the blatant truth and still love you and work with you to make you the best you that you can. So there's that. So you need to have this exploration externally to discover new things that might align with you or they might excite you and you might say, Hey, yo, I want to go further along that. And that's, if I hadn't started martial arts when I was 12 years old, I would never have that part of my background. If I had never done martial arts, I'd never started studying performance psychology, which is directly impacting what I do for a living today. So if I had not had that opportunity, I would be missing out on my purpose in life, I will completely missed it. I'd probably be some geek sitting in a lab, you know, making, you know, weapons or something. I don't know, because that's where <laughs> I used to be. So, you know, having, being willing to explore, and this is one of the things where your friends come in because your friends should not be just like you. you. There should be some overlap, but there should also be some newness around it so that they can expose you to new ideas, new concepts, new things. So that you're expanding your horizons and you can be exploring essentially both externally and you bring that internally to explore further. 
And that's how you ultimately find what you find meaningful. And then it's working to align what you do towards it. When you're 21 years old, your job is probably going to suck because you're brand new at it. You have no skills. You don't know what you want to do in life. You know, I see all these 22, 23 year olds. Oh, I'm not making an impact. Do you even know what an impact is? Do you know what you want to do with your life? No, you don't because you're 21 years old because you haven't figured it out yet. But you start collecting these skills, these resources. You start learning new things that you can then start integrating. So your teens and 20s is the time for exploration and discovery. And then in your 30s, you start putting it together to have that vision and working towards it. And we can all bend our the curve of our career. Even if you're in an office job that might not be the most enjoyable, or you're working retail or what have you, okay? You're not working 90 hours a week. Hmm. You have this time. So if you're saying, okay, this is interesting to me, I'm interested in exploring this, you can start studying it. You can find almost anything in the world on the internet in terms of education or insight. You can start developing the skills you know, if you're like, okay, I want to move in that direction, so start figuring out. So if I want to eventually, you know, run my own business and I'm 22 years old now, what do I need to start learning so I can run my own business down the road? Do I need to start learning how to code? Do I need to start learning how to build a website? Do I need to start learning the basics of business so I understand what cost of goods sold means? Okay, so like the kids around the corner had a lemonade stand the other day and I go over and I buy lemonade from them and um, they're like, I'm talking with the kids and the mom and they're like, I'm like, so you teach them about cost of goods sold and the mom is like, no, I actually provide everything. I'm like, so you're going to take a third of the money for taxes to teach them that? And, and she's like, you know, that's not a bad idea. So it's these little things that start building these mindsets and skill sets and uh, relationships and all these other components to ultimately build the life that you want. You know, you, being an engineer and having sons, you know, Legos have always been an important part of our lives. So if you don't have enough blocks, you can't build something. And it's playing with the blocks over and over and over again. So uh, an example that I use is that in life, it's basically a big video game. Okay, we've all got this main quest where we're trying to get to the castle and save the princess and get all the gold and all that. But to do that along the way, there's all these little side quests. You know, you might need to go into this tavern and talk to the weird old man, which is you and me. Um, you might need to just go and, you know, fully rest and recuperate. You might need to go and do something to get a bit of knowledge that's going to come into play down the road. If we look at our entire life, like, okay, ultimately we try and figure out what this quest is, but all these side quests, if you look at them as not wastes of time or detours or things like that, but as an opportunity to get resources, to get relationships, to build yourself, then ultimately you are in a better position to take on the big boss at the end and win the game. Joe, um, so we had a running a little bit late on time, but I wanted to, to don't miss the opportunity to understand something. So I, I love what you say. It is very close to the philosophy that, that I live through. And in fact, through my life choices today. Um, 
Um, of course, wh when I think about something, is the difficulty for most of us is to say, to forecast that in we're always postponing the moment to start the, the new change. We always believe that something needs to happen, that, for instance, when... When I'm going to have, I don't know, my Ferrari, I'm going to be happier because everything is related to the, to, to the notion of, of happiness. And we don't have, we don't take enough time to define what happiness mean, means for us and what is an amount, an objective amount uh, of either money or financial resources, or I don't know, we think that when I get married, uh, I'm going to be happier. Yes, it's so all this always, external gratification stuff. Indeed. So we are always postponing the moment of taking just time for us and decide to have this moment of self-awareness about what it makes more meaning for us. So it's related to, the, to what you just said be, be, before about this research of, of, of meaning is that on top of reading, I would say that people need to allocate the time to create the habits of, of take the time for yourself and take notes about discuss with yourself in fact either you can take notes this is something my, my my preferred action in order to define really what drives me what if i'm doing the right thing mm -hmm. actions that are aligned with my my values but and we don't, almost never have the we believe that we don't have the time because we have to wait until something happens and then we will I have throw the bs to... flag on that everybody and... can carve out five minutes a day to have a discussion with the most important person in their life. And that person is themselves. Because yeah. you know what? I don't care if you've got a spouse. I don't care if you got kids. You are not going to spend your entire life with them as intimately as you do yourself. Hmm. So take a little bit of time. Every morning I get up and I go for a walk. I'm listening to the birds. And I'm communing with you know the world. I'm communing with myself. And I reflect. And that is the most important appointment I have every single day. Hmm, indeed. Joe, now, your book, because we got a glimpse a little bit about the topic. Now we know more or less what, what it's discovering. What else can we expect from your book? Is it, have you tried to do, uh, is it more like going to research mode in order to discover more about the science behind driving excellence in a, in, a, in a daily basis? Or is it more your own experience? Can, how can you define it's, it? It's a combination. Um, so I have a good friend. She's the recently retired head of psychiatry at one of the major medical uh, facilities locally. And she was re she been, she's been reading the book and she's like, this is the best non-psychology psychology book I've ever seen. Because we draw from myth, we draw from religion, we draw from athletics, we draw from psychology, I draw from music, poetry, the experiences of being a parent, you know, kids are a great way to tell you the truth uh, out of the mouth of babes. <laughs> so it is a combination of a lot of hardcore research and science, but hidden behind anecdotes and stories and jokes and these little things that I'll reference. Okay, so Dabrowski talks about this with post-traumatic growth. And, you know, so I give just enough reference that if you want to go to, down those rabbit holes, you can, but you don't need to, to get the core essence of it. Because one of the things my father taught me years ago is always look for the pearls in any situation. 
the one idea, the one concept, the one thing you can utilize, whether it's from a podcast like this, whether it's from a book that you read, a seminar that you attend, um, a TV show that you watch, uh, an interaction with somebody. Look for those pearls. If you can string together enough pearls, you're going to have a very rich life. And so every single page in here has multiple pearls hidden in it. And what happens is the reader, because of their own filters, like we talked about earlier, is going to find something every single day that helps them in that situation. And then there's an action item to help reinforce it. But there's an old Stoic saying, you know, I go back to the Stoics a lot, is that you can't walk in the same river twice because you're different and the river's different. So if you read today's page today and you read it 12 months from now, you have grown and evolved and changed. And so you're going to get different insight out of it. So I wrote this book and every single morning I sit down and I read it and I do the action items because it helps make me better. Mm. So let's call it as it is. So Everyday Excellence is a guidebook where you remove the boredom of the scientific words, yeah. you make it practical, but you're still backed up by science. It is written by Joseph R.R. Templin, right? Yes, yes. It's really a multivitamin for life. So it takes one to three minutes. You do it every single morning and it's going to make you better for that day. And as it compounds day over day, week over week, month after month, you unlock your own individual excellence. That's great. Joe, so thank you very much for your, your time. And, and I wanted just to, to spend some time. So if people want to reach you out, is mm -hmm. that the correct way to, to write to you directly? Yeah. Um, so if they're on Twitter, I'm on Twitter at EDE with Joe. So EDE for Everyday Excellence with Joe. There's also a Facebook group with the same name. They can go there or they can reach me directly at the website, which is everyday-excellence.com. That's everyday-excellence.com. And every single day I put up a new micro blog. So another one minute type hit. There is a YouTube video that goes up every day. That's between 90 and 150 seconds. So these little quick things to give you the motivation and inspiration to improve and unlock your own internal excellence. And of course, last point is about the book. So you can find it in Kindle and you can find it in a hardcover. Nope. By the way, it looks a little bit like, um, like a thick book that it has a lot of presence at the hardcover. This green hardcover makes it like a kind of a guidebook, like a Bible, right? I, I wanted, I was going for like the classic look, like the complete works of Shakespeare and stuff like that. I was literally, when I was designing it with Damaris, thinking, what would I want on my bookshelf for people to see? Yeah. And so that was the idea. I wanted the classic feel, you know, the gold cover and all that. So I wanted something that it doesn't matter if it's the 20th century, the 21st century, or the 24th century. This is still relevant. Joe, it has been really interesting to discuss with you. You, you know, the, one of the motivators, because we are, we are talking about drives to do things one of the things that I, I appreciate about this uh podcast is that i have to learn I, i i i prepare and when i'm listening to you i take like new lessons for for me in order to become better thank you very much joe it was lovely lovely to to, to be with you today ivan thank you be excellent and grow today